Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Warner Music scored the biggest U.S. initial public offering of 2020 yesterday, and I'll have an update about some research regarding hydroxychloroquine. Plus, earlier in the week, Donald Trump vowed to send soldiers onto American streets to quell protests over police brutality. The FT's Katrina Manson explains why his defense chief broke with the president on this on Wednesday. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, former U.S. President Barack Obama took to YouTube. He spoke about the ongoing protests over the killing of George Floyd and American police brutality. Today, I am urging every mayor in this country to review your use of force policies with members of your community and commit to report on planned reforms. But Mr. Obama was not the only one who advocated for peaceful protests and nonviolent measures. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. We are not in one of those situations now. I do not support invoking the Insurrection Act. That was U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper during a press conference yesterday. He was talking about the act that gives the president the power to use the military to deal with civil disorder. And this is important because Mr. Esper's stance is a clear break with President Trump. Our U.S. defense and foreign policy correspondent, Katrina Manson, has more. It was fairly clear-cut. The president has said he was considering deploying troops um, in states where governors didn't want troops deployed. And Defense Secretary Mark Esper said on Wednesday that he did not support the idea of invoking the Insurrection Act, which is the mechanism by which you would do that. So he made it very clear that he wanted to keep the active duty military off American soil, away from citizens, and that even the National Guard, which has been called out in more than two dozen states as a result of the protests and unrest, that he didn't want that to be federalized. That means put under the control of the president rather than of individual state governors. So you really get the sense that this is a defense secretary who has tried to work with Donald Trump, tried to give him what he wants, has gone along with it for a certain amount of time and now has broken in public after huge amount of pressure and censure on him, including from former senior military leaders, not just from civilian voices. And now, Katrina, Mr. Esper wasn't the only one who broke with the president yesterday. Former Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis, who resigned in 2018, came out yesterday and said in a statement, and and I'm quoting him here, Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us, end quote. Now, going back to Mr. Esper, what else did he say yesterday? Well, he said that the Department of Defense is apolitical and he wants to be apolitical. Now, that in normal circumstances might be accepted, but in the circumstances where you have what some people call a royal court um, and where the president prizes loyalty um, potentially above all else, that in itself can be seen as a political statement and certainly a distancing statement from the president. I think that's 
without doubt. He also very significantly, and it really is maybe a surprise that it's a significant statement, but he said racism is real in America. And he addressed the issue head on by acknowledging racism as a problem, by saying that it mattered to him, and by saying that the protests must go ahead in a peaceful way to allow the country really to have a a reckoning with itself and, and reflect on the wider issues, not just the horror of the killing of George Floyd, um, which the president himself has also commented on and said that he wants justice to be done and to be seen to be done and sped up. But I think what Esper himself did was talk about a a systemic issue and, and the president has so far shied away from that. And Katrina, you bring up the George Floyd case. We should mention that Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis police officer who knelt on Mr. Floyd's neck, now faces a murder charge that has been elevated. And three other now former officers who were on the scene from the same police department were charged with aiding and abetting murder yesterday. And Katrina, speaking of the protests, how will Mr. Esper's words have an impact on them, if at all? I think the fact that Secretary Esper has said he doesn't want to militarize the problem may allow protests to continue in a peaceful way. But there's no question that there's going to continue to be a very heavy presence of law enforcement officials in D.C. The National Guard is still here in D.C. Uh, He had also ordered that active duty troops be moved to the outskirts of D.C., not actually in the capital, but ready to respond if if things went very, very wrong. Um, So that was 1,300 troops. So there there is a very substantial uh, number of military um, uh, personnel in the area. And in addition to that, there are also law enforcement officials who are responding to um, the Department of Justice. And, and their riot police have been um, criticised for being extremely heavy handed. So the, that element of a very heavy policing and, and military pro- presence is likely to continue. And I think in some ways, the president got what he wanted. Um, his notion of dominating the space, that's what he told governors to do. He's made sure that there is a very heavy presence of law enforcement officials on the streets of DC. And in some ways, that has calmed any prospect for um, uh, violence. And in some ways, it's also allowed peaceful protests to go on, particularly as you hear from senior military officials that they are committed to allowing peaceful protests to continue. Hydroxychloroquine. It's a drug that President Trump has been endorsing in the fight against coronavirus. But doubts remain about the effectiveness of the treatment, not helped by the results of the latest studies as well as a controversy about data gathering. The World Health Organization has said it will restart drug trials on hydroxychloroquine. It had paused the study after the medical journal The Lancet found that the drug showed no benefit and could provoke adverse effects, including heart problems and death. Lancet came out earlier in the week and issued a formal expression of concern. It said the data that underpinned that study was flawed. At the same time, researchers at the University of Minnesota have found that taking hydroxychloroquine does not prevent people from developing COVID-19. The first randomized clinical trial of the drug enrolled 800 people who had some exposure to someone with the virus. Researchers gave some participants hydroxychloroquine, some were given a placebo. But a similar proportion got sick. 12% of participants on hydroxychloroquine and 14% of those on a placebo. Not much of a statistically significant difference. U.S. coronavirus deaths rose by more than 1,000 for the second day in a row on Wednesday to a total of almost 102,000. 
And now turning to the IPO market, which has been experiencing a bit of a lull this year because of the disruption from lockdowns. But yesterday, Warner Music pulled off the largest initial public offering in the U.S. this year. The music label's owner, Len Blavatnik, sold almost $2 billion worth of shares on Wednesday. Warner Music initially filed to list in February, but the economic shutdowns forced a change of plan. The group also chose to delay pricing its flotation from Tuesday as a way to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. The proceeds will not go to Warner itself, though. They'll go to an investment vehicle owned by Mr. Blavatnik. He bought Warner Music for $3.3 billion in 2011. Since then, the music industry has enjoyed a resurgence. According to trade group IFPI, global recorded music revenues grew for five straight years to $20 billion in 2019. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.